Welcome back to Three Decades of Tragedy, History of the Thirty Years' War. This week, I have an announcement to make, or sort of an announcement, I suppose. I recently got in contact with a podcaster by the name of Alec Avdikov, who is the creator of The Life and Times of Frederick the Great, a podcast about Frederick the Great. If you're interested in Prussia and the early foundation for what would become Germany, I recommend checking him out. I listened to some of his content, and he's new to podcasting, but he's good and has potential, so I said check him out. Frederick the Great is an interesting figure and definitely worth his own podcast. And based on my podcast, he did some limited coverage over the HRE and the Thirty Years' War, specifically how it involved the Prussian history. He can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Audible, Acast, and other networks, or providers, or whatever it is. Right now, currently, he's building up the background of Prussia, but he should be to the main man himself soon. Please check out the podcast, which I will say again is The Life and Times of Frederick the Great. And with that out of the way, let's get started. So this week we're going to cover Denmark and a general shortened history of it, just enough so you get some context behind it and you're not in the dark about what's going on. If you're interested in more, there's always sources to look up, and I haven't checked myself, but I'm assuming there's a couple podcasts just covering their own history, because there's a lot of stuff when I was reading up on it, so it's worth checking out. Denmark as we know it was consolidated under kings during the 8th century. By 804, Denmark consisted of Jutland, Scania, and the Danish islands, with the exception of one of them. Denmark, at the time, was one of the three sources of Vikings that we would know, the others being Norway and Sweden. And, I guess a little side tangent, Vikings were not actually, like, a people. They were just, basically, it's, it was a term for pirates, effectively. And each country had their own targets they had in mind. If you've seen any TV shows about Vikings that specifically stuff involved with England, like the Last Kingdom, those Vikings were specifically Danish. Norway targeted Scotland and Ireland, if my memory is correct. And Sweden was more specifically targeted at the east, into Russia and the eastern lands. That's how Russia got its name, actually. It was, the people were called the Rus, and Rus, Russia, fairly logical thing. But that's a whole nother interesting history to follow through, and not within the purview of my podcast. There's plenty of places to find stuff about that. So, again, it's another topic if you really want to find out. So, Vikings did the raids and stuff into England and various parts of Ireland, Scotland, the East. And Canute the Great, in the early 11th century, managed to conquer Norway and England, creating an empire that didn't last long after him because England broke away after he died. Then that would lead to... Eventually the Normans coming in, who were also, I, th I forget if they're Danish or Swedish. The Normans were Vikings who just got land in France. In the, in the centuries after that, the territory of Denmark expanded into Skaneland, which part of it was the southern part of modern Sweden, Danish Estonia, and Schleswig and Holstein. And Schleswig and Holstein would become a whole other major issue later. If any of you know 19th century politics, yeah, it was that was not fun for Denmark and Germany. Less fun for Denmark, but the real big thing that came about during this, I call it the early period. It's not really early, but effectively for my podcast it is. In 1397, Denmark, Sweden, and Norway formed a personal union under Queen Margaret I called the Kalmar Union. Denmark was the senior partner in that arrangement, so even if they were all equal, Denmark was the one in charge militarily and economically. Sweden, for the next 120-something years, tried to leave and were consistently defeated over and over again, getting reabsorbed or just their efforts of rebellion being defeated. That was until 1523 when the Vasa dynasty of Sweden was able to secure their independence. The Vasa family was the royal family of Sweden during this time period and 
Swedes. The Swedish king that will come in later into this war was a Vasa. I'll probably cover more about those independence wars when we get to Sweden, and I do the similar thing with that. But for now, we'll leave it off and talk about the religious aspects of Denmark. So as you could guess, because they were Vikings, they're originally Norse. And I'm not doing a whole history of the Norse, but by the 10th century or so, Denmark had been Christianized. What it generally seemed to be, the reason behind it seemed to be that it was to avoid getting attacked by the HRE and other Christian countries, as well as make it easier to trade with the Christian worlds, as Christians were less likely to trade with pagan or even Islamic countries. So becoming Christian was just a economic was just a good economic policy. The figure that is popularly credited with this is Harold Bluetooth, who, if any of you guys have played the Civ games, he is usually the representative of Denmark, or at least one of the choices. And by the 1530s, Protestantism had spread to Scandinavia as a whole. Specifically, the Lutheran branch became popular, and by 1536, it became the official religion of Denmark. And on another minor side tangent, Northern Europe had an easier time becoming Protestant, because the further you were away from the Pope, the less direct influence you had, and the less Catholic countries could force you to not become Protestant. That's why, if you look at a map of Europe, most of Northern Europe is Protestant and Southern Europe is more Catholic. Like Italy, Spain, Italy, Spain are the two big ones. France is, a, I guess, a weird one, but France has always had a complicated history with the Pope, which is an understatement. But anyways, as a whole, the what I call the early part, and Wikipedia calls it early part as well, I guess I call it the medieval period, but I call it early for the script. Denmark had a tumultuous history, but by sort of the high and late medieval period, they had become a stable military and economic power that had room to grow. They weren't anywhere near as powerful as something like the HRE or other countries of that scale, but they weren't people to be sneezed at. And as we move closer to the Thirty Years' War, the next sort of big event that happened was the Kalmar War between 1611 and 1613. The king of Denmark, Christian IV, who I will cover after this, as he is a major leader in the Thirty Years' War that I'm going to cover when Denmark gets involved, he wanted them to rejoin the Union, and the fighting ultimately was in the favor of the Union of Norway and Denmark, but due to overstretching and just inability to fully push. They were not able to force them to rejoin. They could only get them to pay large war indemnity, which was not insignificant. It was effectively what would be millions and millions of dollars nowadays. This was a relatively short-term loss for Sweden, as Gustavus Adolphus would help Sweden recover and help grow Sweden into a European power, but that is further down the line. This war had the side effect of boosting the image of Danish military competence, which they were competent. It's not like a false image, but it helped their reputation in Europe. And the money that was gained from the war was used to create several large towns and fortresses, and as well as there was a, a Danish East India Company, which, if any of you know, the Dutch East India Company or the British East India Company, same deal. They wanted to expand the network and trade in, in Europe and trade in Africa and Asia. Unfortunately, it was not nearly successful. It had a hard time expanding to become a world power that Britain and the Dutch and other countries like that could do. They had many trade hubs, especially along the African coast and along India. But, like I said, they couldn't really expand beyond that. It was a cutthroat world for colonies, and just the money it cost to maintain that was actually really expensive. Imperialism isn't cheap. Another interesting fact that I read up on is many of these trade ports were actually big hubs for the transatlantic slave trade. Everyone in Europe was sort of involved in that. It just, I did not know that Denmark had such a 
network set up that they were a significant part of it. The number I saw was around 1 million or so slaves came through Denmark's ports. It's an unfortunate reality, but it's hard to keep your hands dirty, keep your hands out of that in this time period. On another note, the Denmark-Norway alliance slash union would actually have a short-term alliance with Sweden during the 30 Years' War, who, even though they didn't get along, it was just odd that like, oh yeah, we'll work with Sweden. It made sense due to fighting the Catholics, but I just kind of found that funny. These people that they just fought a war with were willing to go assist them. Ultimately, the Danes during this time period were on the rise militarily and economically, especially after the Kalmar War. But there were signs of the loss of their power and loss of status. And decades during the war and after the Thirty Years' War, there were signs of their loss as a great power. The last thing I want to cover in this episode is Christian IV of Denmark. He was born on April 12, 1577 in Frederiksberg Castle. His parents were Frederick II and Sophie of mecklenburg schwerin Denmark at this time was actually an elective monarchy. Again, technically anyone of enough status could become it, but it did tend to fall along the family lines due to, I call it incumbent status, or just political bribery, as the Habsburgs would do. He became the prince-elect when he was young, around three or four. He became king at age 11, when his father died, but... Seeing as he was too young, a regency council was set up in his stead. A regency council, for those of you who don't know, is a way for advisors and adults to run the kingdom when a ruler is young. In many cases, they did become corrupt and would abuse their power, but in theory, the role was to keep the country stable and allow the prince and king to grow up and not have to worry about the kingdom. Usually, they came of age somewhere between, like, 16 to 20, depending on the, the ruler and how they're doing. If any of you guys plays at CK2, that's, that's never a fun thing when your Regency Council is in charge and you're a child. His mother tried to be more involved in the Regency Council, but she was denied access to the Regency Council for petty reasons. Some of them wanted power. Partly it was probably because she was a woman, too. It was that time period. And there's solid reasons on why. It was just political bickering, effectively. He went to school and got educated through private education. He was regarded as a headstrong and intelligent student during his studies. And at age 19, he was officially crowned the King of Denmark, Norway, at the Church of Our Lady in Copenhagen. He showed early signs of ambition by instituting military reforms, which, and the first major one, was increasing the size of the navy, which grew from 22 vessels to 60 vessels between 1596 and 1610, which at that time was not insignificant, especially with the cost of that. He also built more fortresses around the city. He also built more fortresses around the country, realizing they needed a stronger defense especially with the growing technology. He specifically hired Dutch engineers to use some of his designs to create fortresses which were fairly effective. He was, I don't want to say a renaissance man, but he seemed to learn engineering and architecture when he was in school. His reforms were also key to the mercantile boom during this time period, which I mentioned earlier, aka the trade ports and such. And this would create a long-term effect of creating an economic boom during the 1620s in the lead-up to their involvement to the Thirty Years' War. A Venetian diplomat described him once as above average in height, dressed in the French fashion. His nature is warlike. This was during a visit to England in 1614, seeing as he was actually the brother-in-law to King James because King James had married his sister. Another connection, and where part of his support came from, too. So he, he was shown to be an ambitious ruler, wanting to expand the power of Denmark. Unfortunately for him, a lot of his external ventures, beyond simple trading, failed. Meaning he couldn't really expand the same way that the other European powers would do in the future. Specifically, like, France and England. Because the colonization effort of Denmark didn't really go anywhere. And mostly stuck with trade ports, which were profitable, but not enough to expand any more than what they had. 
And as we sort of catch up to where he would be in the time of the war, he all in all seemed like a decent king. He didn't seem awful. His, his big problem, it seems to be, is he was a bit ambitious for his own good. That can be a good thing, that can be a bad thing, and we'll see how he fares in the war. Again, this actually, this area is actually one of my lesser known areas of the Thirty Years' War. So I'm learning a bit as much in this one, too. Like, I know, I knew some of the Bohemian stuff. I knew more about the Swedish stuff. And then once we get into the French stuff, I have no little less. So I'll be learning alongside you guys. Uh, I want to thank you for listening in and hope you're enjoying it. Sorry if this one's a bit short. This one is just a basic coverage of Denmark. And if any of you are from Denmark or know Danish history more than me, please feel free to correct me on anything or if I said some controversial opinion I didn't know about. I mostly use Wikipedia. Obviously, stuff that I saw was sourced and, you know, had reliable information and books they came from. So I just want to make my research clear and not people like where you get this from. But I would love to hear any opinions on Danish history or stuff that I missed or any cool facts. Next week, we'll cover the Danish politics when it comes to the Thirty Years' War and their introduction into the war, or at least the start of their introduction into the war. The social media links will be in the description box or on the links themselves. Reminder, I have a Patreon if you wish to support me. And please check out the Fight of the Great podcast. I enjoyed what I listened to. And I'll see you guys next time. <laughs>